Turn in a copy of God's Word to Matthew chapter 2. If you're using the Pew Bible, you will find that on page 1026. 1026. Let's go and ask the Lord for His blessing on the reading and preaching of His Word. Oh Lord, we need You. We need You so much. We pray that as we come to Your Word that uh, we would leave changed. And that You would, by Your Spirit, help us to understand. Lord, a text that has been looked at often and we know well. We pray, Father, that it would be like we're looking at it for the first time. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Matthew 2, starting at verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Then Herod the king heard this. He was troubled, and and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For... From you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever. You know, if you were to go out on the streets and talk to a hundred different people about who they thought Jesus was or to ask their opinions about Jesus, you'd probably get uh, about a hundred different opinions, right? Some might say that he was a good man, others a prophet. Some might say that he's a myth. Some might say that he really was the Christ who came to take away our sins. But you know, while there might be so many different opinions and statements about him, they really all boil down to two positions. There are really only two positions on Jesus. Acceptance or rejection. Belief or unbelief. Worship or opposition. Heaven or hell. In this text, we see three groups, the Magi, Herod, 
and the Jewish leadership. And each one will have their different reaction to the arrival of the king of the Jews, the king of all of creation. But even within these three, they're they're going to be boiled down to just two positions, belief and unbelief, though they're going to look differently. It's interesting that it is those who are geographically furthest from Bethlehem, the Magi, They're the ones who will believe. And yet those who are the closest, not only geographically, but also religiously and ethnically, those who are closest to Bethlehem, by the end of our text, will be the furthest in relationship to Christ. Have you ever noticed that sometimes you're too close to see something, to see it? Have you ever uh, looked all over your house for your glasses? Only to find them on your head. You know, I've looked all over the house for my phone, only to realize later it was in my hand, right? Well, how is your heart this Advent or Christmas season? Are you too close to it to see it? Are you so caught up in the midst of a busy schedule, right? That you fail to see what's really going on? Did you know that the king has arrived? He who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land, has come to earth to save His people from their sins. Did you miss it? What's your reaction this year? What's your view of Christ this Christmas? There are only two camps, belief and unbelief. The first group of people we see is that of the wise men. And in our framework of belief or unbelief, Belief or unbelief, those are the ones who believed. And they're the the least expected out of all of them that would end this text worshiping the king. They have come afar, from afar, seeking the king to bow down and worship him. The king had come and they had accepted him. But who were they? There are a lot of misconceptions. We've even sung them in our opening hymn, Noel. It's It's a great hymn, but... But just like that one and we three kings of Orient are, they're they're great words. They're just a a few minor problems we do have to to fix. The first is they weren't kings. Uh, The three kings, first they weren't kings. Uh, They're not not called kings in the text. They're called wise men. And these would have been what were called magi, which was a sort of counselor or advisor to the king, much like our president has advisors who are around him all the time and have great sway within the court that is the White House. So kings would have wise men, advisors, who were close to them. They would have stood in the king's presence. And we know from the Old Testament that Daniel was a wise man or one of the magi. Furthermore, they were astrologers. Now, there's a difference between astronomers and astrologers. Uh, Astrology is that which is reflected in the horoscope. Don't pay attention to the horoscope. Uh, That's when you look at the stars and determine what those things hundreds of thousands of light years away from us have to do with our lives here. That's not how God works. Uh, The other is Astronomy, which is the study of the celestial bodies, trying to figure out their motions and movements and how gravity works and all those sorts of things. Well, these were astrologers, the horoscope guys. And yet God used their astrology, something that the Bible's very clear, don't do. 
He would use their astrology to bring them to Bethlehem to worship the king. For somewhere in their collection of writings, they must have had numbers. Chapter 24, verse 17. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Well, we know they weren't kings, but we also don't know how many there were. Note that there are three gifts that does not mean there were three magi. There were at least two. Magi is the plural. So there were at least two. We don't know how many. Indeed, if you think about it, if, if one of Trump's advisors was showing up somewhere, would he travel by himself? No. If he were traveling a thousand miles, would he show up by himself? Most certainly not. Well, these magi, however many they were, had traveled up to a thousand miles through the deserts, taking months and months of time of travel to get finally first to Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem. My friends, these folks weren't alone. However many magi there were, there were also many, many more folks who have gone with them to carry their tents and their water and their food and, and all the things that you know really important need, people need. Um, Finally, the, the timing, right? Uh, we have two or three nativity sets in my house, and they're great. Uh, do you know, when we find the nativity scenes, um, you find the shepherds alongside the magi, and that's just not correct, right? There's this great film out. It's been out two or three years. It was done by Sony, which is surprising. It's called The Star. Have you seen this? It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful Christmas story for kids. We've watched it at least four or five dozen times by now. And, uh, and it's a good story. It's a, it's a good recollection of telling of the Christmas story. But even there, you have three wise men showing up at the birth of Jesus. And, and we know that's not the case. Because the star appeared when Jesus was born. And later, when Herod says, hey, go find these guys, and then he tries to kill the Messiah. Uh, why? Because he was trying to kill the king. And he was going to kill the children two years and younger. So when they went to, eventually to Bethlehem, they would not have found the newborn child. They would have found the toddler, Jesus. And so they follow the star. They follow the star that God had used to attract them, seeking the new king of the Jews. And Jerusalem is all stirred up in their arrival. You could, you could slice the tension with a knife. Herod was upset, and the people were upset because Herod was upset. Why? Because Herod was a bad dude. You know, where do you go when you're searching for a king? Searching for the new king of the Jews? You go to the capital city, where the palace is. And so they went to Jerusalem. When, when Herod heard of it, he immediately knows that the wise men are talking about the Christ, the long-foretold Messiah who would free God's people from their enemies, from eventually, as we know, their sins. And so he calls the chief priests and the scribes and all the Jewish leadership together and he says, hey, where is this guy meant to be born? Without skipping the beat, they know exactly where he's meant to come from. See, Micah 5.2 tells us and tells them they knew where the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. Isn't it interesting how God used a star to get them going? It was ultimately the Word of God that brought them to Jesus. 
So often God will use events in our lives to get us to the point where we begin seeing our need for Jesus, but it is ultimately the Word of God that tells us how salvation can be found. And so the Jewish leadership, using the Word of God, told them where the king was to be. And so they head out with instructions for Herod, from Herod that when they find the Christ, to send word back and he'll come and worship him too. He's a liar, right? We'll look at that next week. And so they arrive and it turns out they really were seeking Jesus. They were seeking to worship him. The result of them finding the king is recorded here in words that's hard to translate. You can see how the ESV is, is, is laboring to figure out how to express just how excited they were. Verse 10 tells us that they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Your children ever come to you and they're just so excited they can't even talk? That's kind of like what's going on here. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They were thrilled. After a long search, after a long journey, they had finally arrived. What's your response to the good news of Jesus this Christmas? Does the message of the Christmas arrival of the best gift of all, does it bring you joy? Now, it's different to have joy because of Christ and being joyful at Christmas parties, right? Those are two different things. It's one thing to be filled with sugar cookies, another thing to be filled with the sacred Christ. It's it's one thing to have received a, a fortnight gift, a gift card, and to receive forgiveness of your sins. It's, another, it's one thing to receive presents from Santa, and another thing to have received the gift of salvation. There are a lot of fun things at Christmas. But does the message of Christmas bring you joy that He has come into this world to save you and to save me from our sins? The wise men lay down their gifts before the King. But what do we lay down? We come before Him because of our desperate need for salvation of our souls. What do we lay down before Him? We lay down our sin before Him. Why? Because He came to lay down His life before the Father that we might receive the gift of salvation. What's your reaction to that news? Does it bring you joy? Well, in our framework of belief and unbelief, we we now move to the other category of unbelief. And you'll see in your outline that there are two groups in this unbelief category. You know, unbelief can have many different faces. And with Herod, we see outright hostility and opposition. Herod wasn't a good guy. He was a really bad dude. Um, You know, he was so bad that by this point, he had killed his wife and his three sons. He had drowned his three sons because he was afraid that they were planning a coup d'etat. He's one paranoid bad guy. So do you see why everybody was upset when this grand retinue of of hundreds of people, probably at least dozens, of folks show up in Jerusalem looking for the new king? What's the problem? Herod is the king. They're looking for the new king of the Jews. Who, Who is the king of the Jews? Herod. Herod is the king of the Jews, at least according to the Roman Empire. You can see why he'd be a little paranoid. But he's quite 
savvy politically. And so he plays it cool, listens to the Magi, finding out from the Jewish leadership where the Messiah was to be born, and then telling the Magi, hey, make sure you come back and tell me where he is so I can worship him too. Well, why, why was Herod opposed to Jesus? Because Jesus was a threat to his kingship. Now, it's easy to throw Herod under the bus, and I think we should. I mean, he's a bad guy. But before we do that, we also have to realize we deserve to be under the same bus. We are all born Herods. Each and every one of us, we are born Herods, just like Herod, enemies of God. Romans 5 tells us that that Christ died for us. He saved us when we were His enemies. We see in Herod the opposition to the Messiah that is true of all of our hearts apart from the Spirit working in us to show us our need for a Savior. The amazing news is that the true King has laid down His life for Herod's like you and me. And when we bow the knee of our hearts before Him in surrender and repentance and worship, we too can receive the gift of forgiveness and eternal life. Do you find yourself a Herod this year, still an enemy of Christ? Is your heart opposed to Christ and His rule and reign in your heart and over your life? May this year be the year that you bow the knee to. But perhaps more dangerous is the group, the third group here, of the religious leadership. Note in verse 5 that when Herod assembled the whole of the Jewish leadership and inquired where the Christ was to be born, they immediately knew where the answer was, which foretold that the city of David, Bethlehem, was his birthplace. But don't you find it odd that Herod took the promises of the Old Testament more seriously than the Jewish leadership did? He was going to do something about this kid who was supposed to be the Christ. Jewish leadership, they don't do anything. In fact, the the whole of Jerusalem knew that there was someone that was claiming that the king, the Messiah, had been born. Now, if you were eating lunch at Alisco's and someone told you that the king had arrived, would you walk to GP? That's six miles. That's the distance from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. If you walk a 15-minute mile, that's an hour and a half. I bet if the king had arrived, you could make it a little faster. And yet, no one goes. No one goes to Bethlehem. It's just the wise men. Herod, he's waiting to find out, hey, go find this guy so I can kill him. But those who have said they've been looking for the Messiah to come, they do nothing. In Bruton, Alabama, you don't see a lot of folks with placards walking the streets that has, uh, has negative statements about Christians or Christ on them, right? I mean, that, you don't see open opposition as much in Bruton, Alabama. But we have something far more dangerous, and that's Apathy. The opposite of love is not hatred. It's apathy. Does does the good news of Jesus, does the Christmas story bring any kind of, does it resonate at all in your hearts? 
The Jews were content to see the Messiah come and do nothing and not respond. And in that non-response was their response. It's common to be in church around Christmas. Praise God, please be so. Invite your friends. That's where you hear about Jesus. But it's dangerous to be in church, not know Jesus and not respond. Do you find yourself apathetic to the good news that God became man in order to live and die and be raised in order to save you from your sin and the penalty of those sins, which is eternal separation from Him in hell? May the Lord warm your heart today. I once shared the gospel with someone that I'm related to, and I said, so and so, you know, the Bible says you're going to hell. I mean, he he didn't claim to be a Christian. He was real clear on that. He said, I know, and it just doesn't bother me. That's what apathy looks like. But before we throw him and others like him under the bus, the only reason why it bothers us is because Christ has worked in our heart. Pray mightily and fervently for those whom you know who are apathetic that they might see their need for Jesus. One of the greatest powers to melt apathy is love. Um, To know that you're loved by someone just has an amazing effect on your heart. Love has the power to melt the coldest and iciest of hearts. And this is the message of Christmas, that Jesus loves you. And He loves you so much that He was willing to set aside the glories of heaven to be born in a cattle stall to the smell of manure so that He might live a hard and terrible and perfect life, that He might suffer mightily, not just at the hands of the apathetic, turned hostile Jewish leadership, but more importantly, under the hand of God, as He punished Him, not for His sins, for He had none, but for our sins. It was Christ's love for you that kept Him on that cross Think of that. Let that warm your heart. It was Christ's love for you individually that kept Him on that cross. And it was the Father's love for the Son that raised Him on the third day. So what is your position on Jesus? Are you a worshiper of Christ like the wise men? Praise God and may He continue to draw you closer to Himself through this Christmas season. But what if it happens if you're opposed to Christ or apathetic to Christ? then pray and pray mightily that God would warm your heart to understand and to comprehend with all the saints just how much He loves you and your need for Jesus. For history's going somewhere and one day the King will return not as a babe but as a conquering King and He will make all things right. And so we pray, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. So, Father, we do yearn for that day when Christ returns. Until then, O Lord, work mightily in our midst to bring those who are apathetic and hostile to You to a saving knowledge of Jesus. O Lord, use us and may we be bold to say the name of Jesus to those who don't know You this Christmas season. There might be great revival and renewal in our community and in our families. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen.